to Speak a Dogcast. My name is David Farb, Animal Behavior Specialist, and I am broadcasting from WOUF Woof, Studios in beautiful Palm City, Florida. Thank you so much for joining me once again today. If you haven't clicked that subscribe or that follow button, do so right now. New episodes come out every Wednesday, and you're going to want to check them out. I do apologize. This episode is late. Guys, I've been having some computer issues the past few months. That's why we've kind of been a little up and down on getting episodes out on time. It's, it's a little crazy. However, we have solved all the computer issues. Now, brand new computer just delivered yesterday. So now I'm playing catch up. Um, you might have noticed the YouTube channel. I've got more episodes coming up all of a sudden because I have a computer that can actually handle this mess. <laughs> so yes, I am super excited. More video, more content coming now that we have all our computer issues uh, solved, including our internet. We were having internet issues on getting uh, episodes uploaded. I mean, I've just been fighting with a lot of different things. So I appreciate your patience for those of you on my YouTube channel. I appreciate your patience, everybody with the podcast. I know the episodes haven't been coming out consistently, but we're past it. Let's get it going. Yes. Now you can subscribe to my Instagram channel. Go check me out on Instagram at speakadogcast and join me there every Tuesday for Training Tip Tuesdays, where I have a brand new dog training tip for you every single week. Yes. Now, like I said, the visual thing, if that's more your thing, go check out my YouTube channel. Find me over there at speakadogcast. And if you want to support the show even further, become a patron of the show today, patreon.com slash speakadogcast as well. Of course, guys, if you love the podcast, if you love what you're hearing, all my Apple podcast and Spotify users, yes, you, I'm talking to you. <laughs> Do me a favor, scroll down, give me the five-star rating or leave me a review. I would really appreciate it, guys. Only helps the podcast grow. Thank you so, so much. Really, really appreciate this. So on today's show, we learn how to talk to your dog. Wait, do we really? No, we'll talk more about that. Then we have a segment called Improve Your Timing, Training Your Dog. Timing is so important when it comes to dog training, guys. We're going to get you on the right track on how to improve that. Yes. Then we have the History of Animal Mascots 101, followed by the Listener Q&A. And if you have any questions for the Listener Q&A, as always, you can email me, questions at speakadogcast.com, or message me on social media as well. Your question could get featured on the show. Now, before we get going with today's show, got to give you that trivia question. Today's question is going to be, what mammal has the thickest coat of fur? Yes, what mammal has the thickest coat of fur? I will give you the answer to that question somewhere in today's show, so be sure you stick around, sit, stay, and enjoy the podcast. Next on Speak a Dogcast, how to talk to your dog. I'm not giving you a magical secret on how to talk to your dog, how to communicate with your animal. Um, look, full-blown honesty, I, got, I had someone reach out to me recently about a dog medium that communicates with dogs and dogs that are dead and she can talk to your dog. And part of me wanted to have her on the show so I can just absolutely shred it. I'm not going to lie. Um, but I don't want to be a jerk. But at the same time, it's like, give me a freaking break and she's a renowned trainer supposedly too like oh it's so good i'm like are you serious guys you can't talk to your dogs oh i can hear what they're saying no you can't no you cannot no you can't because if you did you wouldn't need to come on my podcast to plug yourself because you'd be so filthy rich you know <laughs> right like let's connect the dots with logic here if you truly could communicate with not only living dogs but dead dogs don't you think you might just have something amazing that everyone in the world, I mean, this would just be front and center on every newspaper in the world? It's because they can't, guys. It's because they can't. They cannot communicate with dogs. You cannot speak English or whatever native language you think you've taught your dog. You cannot talk 
in a language to a dog, except the language of dog. And I'll be honest, guys, most human beings are really bad at speaking dog. (laughs) And look, as good as I've gotten at it over the years, as good as I like to think I am, I will never be as good as another dog. Ever, ever, ever. And that's, you know, part of the reason, like when I do my boot camps, that's part of the reason boot camps are successful is dogs communicate with dogs the way dogs communicate, like a dog. And so my boot camps can be more successful by letting a stable pack of dogs influence a dog who perhaps isn't so stable. I can communicate really well with dogs in a dog way. Can't speak English with them, can't carry a conversation with them, can't ask them how their day at work was yesterday. Okay, it doesn't work like that. Again, if it did, I'd be... If I could talk to dogs like that, I wouldn't be doing the podcast right now. Like, come on, guys. Um, <laughs> there is no way to communicate with a dog in English verbally. It just doesn't work. And I'll hear it. Here's the argument. Here, ready for it. David, when I tell my dog to sit, they sit. They know what I'm saying. They understand me. No, your dog has a conditioned response. I'm sorry, guys, but burst your bubble. No, dogs don't know English. It's the same thing like with the apes learning sign language where people will go, oh, the ape learned sign language. They can speak English. And I go, no, guys, they have a conditioned response where someone holds up a banana and gives them a sign for banana, holds up a banana, gives them a sign for a banana. If they could truly speak the language, they would have created it themselves. Do you understand the difference? Big difference between a conditioned response and understanding of language same with the dogs guys same with the dogs you've said sit you've said sit and you've put them in a sit position and you've paired it with usually affection or treats right over and over and over to the point that the dog hears the word sit in its condition so strong and strengthened so much that the dog will sit down when you say sit even though the word itself has absolutely zero meaning to the dog right like the word is a word it means nothing quite frankly sit is just a noise to them they don't think of it as oh he's saying the word sit it's so much more auto response and biological than that than we give dogs credit for like I love dogs they're very smart but guys let's be realistic about this dogs are not communicating in English right so how do we talk to our dog how do we communicate with our dogs successfully well here's the thing guys dogs really speak one like universal language and human beings have gotten really bad at speaking this language we really have and some of us are definitely better at it than others It's the language of body language. It's the language of subtlety. And boy, 2024, are we losing subtlety. Makes me really sad. Um, So dogs speak this language that we are getting further away from, and therefore we think dogs need to speak our language, when in fact, no. No, they don't. We need to be speaking theirs. So you want to quote-unquote talk to your dog... You have to think like a dog. You have to realize dogs are simplistic creatures and treat them as such, right? So how do we do this? Tone. Let's talk about tone because tone is one of the easiest ways that we can better communicate with our dogs, right? Um, Look, I always say I want you to be a reflection. I want you to be a reflection of whatever you're trying to get your dog to do. If I want my dog to be calm... I need to be calm. Not always easy, right? Tough to be a person. (laughs) If I want my dog, and this is the easy one, like, right, guys, think about it. If you want your dog to get excited and play and be excitable, what do you do? You get excited. People do this already and we don't even realize it, except for when our dogs are doing something wrong. (laughs) Then we get, oh, why are you doing this and yelling and crazy? And what does the dog reflect back? That exact thing. If you want to communicate better with your dog, you have to be aware of your tone. You have to change your tone. And you have to match your tone to whatever you're trying to get your dog to do, right? Again, guys, you have to be aware of your tone. You have to understand what you sound like, what you're giving off. 
then you have to have the ability and the willingness to change that tone, right? Okay. So the other big thing with this is follow through and consistency. Um, you know, follow through and consistency are so very important when it comes to this. And I'm going to give you the example with tone. If I am teaching, if I'm teaching a puppy to sit and I use a different tone every time, it's not going to be right. It's going to be sit, 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 come on, sit, 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 sit. I don't know how many times I just said that, but every single one was different. And what did I just say a couple minutes ago? It's not a word to your dog. It's a tone. They're hearing a noise. And if you say sit eight different ways, they're hearing eight different tones. They're not hearing sit said eight different ways. They're only hearing a different tone. So instead, if I go, hey, sit, 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 that, that was the same tone. There's consistency in that. And believe it or not, your dog will actually learn faster. Why? Because they're not understanding the word. They're understanding the tone, right? Um, I talked, I've talked about this a handful of times. I'm just going to put it in a nutshell. Years ago, I had a client's child who was doing a science fair project, and they were doing a project to see if a dog could tell the difference between the tone or the word. Fascinating, fascinating study. Uh, because we were able to use like eight to ten different dogs. We were able to use my own dogs, client dogs, and we did different tests on tone, saying it differently. And it's fascinating how much the dogs really cue into that tone. When I said sit completely different from I've ever said it before, my golden retriever kind of looked at me like, I hear the word, but it doesn't, like you could tell it just wasn't clicking and he wasn't sitting right. He almost like took a minute to go, um, oh, okay, okay, I'll sit, you know, like, because the tone was different. Even though I've said the word sit to him 5,000 times before, that one time I said it completely different and it didn't register correctly. You want to know how to talk to your dog? Figure out your tone. Figure out your tone, guys. Understand what you sound like to your dog, what you're giving off to your dog. This is something so subtle, but so vitally important. If your dog is about to go do something wrong, right? Like you know it's coming, you see it, they're about to go grab something they shouldn't, let's go with that, right? They're about to go grab something that they shouldn't have in their mouth. Everybody, what do you do? Oh my God, we freak out, we call it, we yell the dog's name, we get angry, and instead, how about Fluffy, come here. And Fluffy all of a sudden goes, whoa, forget what's going on over here. Mom sounds, dad sounds pretty excitable. Oh, what's dad doing? Eh? Oh, he's calling me. Okay, well, let's go see what he's doing. We redirected the behavior. We had it off before it ever turned anything bad. And all of a sudden, our dog doesn't want to work to avoid us. The problem is if we get angry in a moment where the dog is about to do something wrong, they tend to want to go, ooh, you're mad. I'm going to avoid, I don't like this tone. I'm going to avoid that tone. Whereas if I can change my tone to be something inviting and not an aversive, not something they want to work to avoid. Well, look at that. We just changed the behavior. We made my dog want to listen to me as opposed to want to avoid me. And we end up getting a better result. So changing your tone with your dog is really important. Really, really important because it's going to really form not only the relationship with your dog, because your dog, like it's... Uh, if you mostly get frustrated with, like, I'm just being honest, guys, if you mostly get frustrated with your dog and yell at your dog or, you know, like if you're just giving off a lot more of that, even if it's just 51% of that and 49% affection, you're tipping the scale in the wrong direction to the point that every time you call your dog's name, they're like, crap, am I in trouble? As opposed to, oh, what does dad want? Like the dog was in the scenario where he's about to go get something in his mouth he shouldn't. Instead of getting mad, I redirected into something 
he wants to listen to me and he wants to seek it out. You see the difference? The dog, it's more like, oh, what are we doing? What can we do? Oh, I shouldn't have done that. Okay. Versus, oh, I'm going to get dry. I don't want to do that. Oh, I'm gonna, where's dad? I want to avoid dad. It's a very different mindset for your dog when we when we set that precedent of happy, <laughs> right? Like like a leadership position where you want to, your dog wants to seek out your leadership, wants to listen to you. And that tone, that's how we get there. Okay. So again, we have to kind of revisit this. Remember, let's remember guys, the first thing to changing your tone is you have to be aware of your tone. And look, if you can ask your spouse or, you know, friends, roommates, whatever your living situation is, someone that's living with you that's there a lot, um, I want them to, to kind of keep an eye on how you're being with the dog and help you out because it's tough, guys. We're only human. You can't fully be aware all the time of how you're sounding, acting. Like, we're only humans, right? We all have emotions, and we don't always have 100% control over them. It's easy to get frustrated when your dog has made you frustrated a thousand and one times, and it's hard sometimes to step back and recognize that. So have a friend, roommate, spouse, help each other out, recognize, help you, uh, each other recognize when the tone isn't sounding so great. And we need to change it up because that's the first step, recognizing our tone. Then we have to be willing to change that tone and reflect that tone to whatever we're, whatever we're doing. Or excuse me, whatever behavior we're trying uh, to get from our dog. If you want to be calm, if you're trying to get your dog to be calm, you need to be calm, right? And look, one of my other favorite sayings really quick, there's no reason to be upset until there's a reason to be upset. You know what I mean? So like if the dog is going to get that thing they shouldn't, in our example that we've talked about today, if they're going to go bite that thing they shouldn't bite or grab that thing they shouldn't grab, instead of getting upset because they haven't done it yet, right? There's no reason to get upset until there's a reason to get upset. They haven't done anything yet. They're thinking about it. That's the time to still remain calm, redirect. Think about your tone, change your tone, and reflect back what you're trying to get your dog to do. I don't want my dog to go crazy, grab that thing and run. I want them to be calm reflect that calmness. All right. Changing your tone is everything, guys. It's how you get your dog to listen to you. It's how you build a relationship with your dog. And it's how you train, quite frankly. So be aware of your tone, be ready to change your tone. And of course, always reflect back what you're trying to accomplish and get out of your dog. Are you tired of your dog barking all the time? Or maybe you want them to stop jumping on people when they come over. Or does your dog take you for a walk instead of the other way around? Well, we can help. At The Nature of Training and Speak a Dogcast, we are committed to improving the relationships and lives people have with their pets. No matter what behavioral issue you are experiencing, from an unruly puppy to more severe issues, we can help. Our virtual training programs are catered to you and your pet and create a training plan that gets results. For more information, you can check out our website at www.thenatureoftraining.com or find us on Facebook or Instagram at Speak a Dogcast. With the ability to connect, teach, and train with pet owners around the world, together we can make a better home for our furry friends. The Nature of Training and Speak a Dogcast, helping you achieve success with your pet. Very, very important uh, detail when it comes to animal training and dog training. Look, it really doesn't matter what animal you're training. It is all about the timing. Timing, timing, timing. Timing is key. Timing is crucial. 
and it really makes a difference in having your timing, whether it comes to reinforcing or punishing a behavior, that timing's everything. You're going to hear me say the word timing 5,000 more times in this segment <laughs> because of how important it is. Look, you can have all the knowledge, all the understanding of dog psychology and reinforcement punishment. You could be able to spit back every single definition to me, and it will not matter in the slightest if your timing sucks. <laughs> I'm being 100% honest here, guys. Um, the funny thing is I've met trainers the opposite way, where their timing is phenomenal, but their knowledge is crap. They don't know what reinforcement is. They don't know what punishment is, but their timing is amazing. And interestingly enough, as much as it pains me to say it, trainers that have phenomenal, not good, phenomenal timing, they can get by. They can get by without the knowledge. Could they be doing better with the knowledge? Yeah, 100% certainty on that one. I've seen it time and time again. They hit roadblocks and walls more often than trainers that have the full spectrum, the timing and the knowledge, because, because without the knowledge, how can you ever get yourself out? Look, this is the one thing I think more than anything about psychology. It's not even dog training. It's psychology that I love. You can't argue with me, and I mean this in the nicest way possible. Um, and it's not an arrogance thing. This is something I was taught by another behavior specialist years ago because he's right. I can't argue with him. He can't. Argue. You can't argue about these psychological concepts because they're everywhere. They're all around us, and I can prove it. Day in, day out, time and time again, I can prove this stuff all the time. And you'll walk in circles. Like you'll, I can, I can, I've had, I've had arguments with other trainers before. Thank goodness not too many. But <laughs> where we go in the circle and they don't like it because I, I hate, I, I'm not trying to, you know, toot my horn here, but I, I know my stuff. I know my stuff when it comes to reinforcement and punishment, training, redirections, all this kind of stuff, all the, all the, the meat and potatoes of it. And my timing's gotten pretty damn good, too. I'll give you a little example real quick. Uh, good friends of mine were looking to adopt a dog, and they were fostering a dog. And good on them. Fostering was a, was a great idea because they weren't sure they were really ready for another dog yet for multiple, multiple reasons, as well as they wanted to make sure this dog was a good fit. And here's the thing, guys. This dog, they brought him in. He was so chill. I mean, they could take him anywhere. He was awesome. He had separation anxiety, though. We knew this. You know, they knew that going into it. Um, but the separation anxiety was even worse than anybody knew. Anybody knew at the rescue even knew because, and, and look, I, <laughs> okay, so let me, let me give you, give you the story here. So we meet him. He comes over to our house. I met him. He was really cool. They came over a couple days later. He was playing with our dogs and the way he was playing overall pretty darn good. I could kind of see a little, you know, unsureness at times. And, uh, you know, I told them, I told my friends, I said, look, this dog is freaking awesome. Like he really is. What a cool personality. He's really chill. However, there might be a little honeymoon phase with this one. As in, I think something bad could come out with enough time. And unfortunately, I was correct. Uh, you know, unfortunately, I didn't, I didn't want to be right on that one. But I did. Like a week later, we're at the beach. And it was uh, him, you know, my friends, a couple of their friends. I had my dog. They had, I had Riker. They had their dog. And Riker's just sitting there. And at one point, uh, Riker was just walking by. He was sniffing the ground, walking by. He doesn't even care about the other dog. But the dog started low growling at him. Yeah, there it is. And before the end of the day, um, their dog, that dog they were fostering, went for Riker. I mean, full-blown, just went in attack mode. And I was right there, and I grabbed that dog really quick, really fast. And the second I grabbed him and tried to stop him, he turned on me and tried to bite me. No joke. Um, we dealt with it, and I was really quick. And again, not to toot my own horn here, but 
everybody, <laughs> my friends, all their friends, and even people at the beach around us, like jaws were on the floor, eyes wide open going, holy hell, because I was so quick, I was so fast, I didn't get bit, I got this dog to relax on his side, just two totally rolling over for me, with barely touching him. As a matter of fact, I didn't even touch him at the end, and he just rolled. Got him relaxed. I loved the compliment from my buddy, I have to say. He said, where's my checkbook? <laughs> you know, now look, in the end, guys, they didn't end up keeping the dog, and that's fine. There is zero judgment coming from me on this. Absolutely none. Because it has to be the right fit for everybody. It has to be a comfortable situation for everybody. And with their living situation and environment with this dog and other things, I think they made a very wise decision in the end. I really do. A very responsible, honestly mature decision. Like, good on kudos to you guys. Like, really good on you. Um, but, again, you know, long story, I mean, to get to it, I, I wanted to, in a way, toot my horn because of my timing. Like I'm tuning my horn guys because it's something I've worked at. It is something I've strived for. It is something I, you almost get bit and you do get bit sometimes improving your timing in the line of work that I do. And so in a way, yes, I don't have colleagues. I don't have employees. I don't have anybody really to pat me on the back. And I have to remind myself as my friends and my wife tell me to do, I'm too hard on myself and give myself a little kudos on my timing. So I had to share that with you a little bit to trust Maybe boost my ego, whatever. Um, maybe I need it. <laughs> All right. Maybe today I just needed to hear that. So my timing's phenomenal. And timing can be the difference between changing a behavior. Timing can be the difference between getting bit and not getting bit. Timing can be the difference between making a behavior worse. All right. So I don't want to, and I'm not trying to scare all you guys because timing is also very basic stuff. Even with housebreaking, timing is key. Look, we just did housebreaking a little while ago. Let's talk about one quick thing. When you take your puppy out for housebreaking, what do I always tell you? You must have a treat with you in your pocket and here's why. And this is going to, this is going to get us on the timing track here because if your dog goes to the bathroom, pee outside, and by the time you get back inside, it's been easily 30 seconds, if not more, even if it's only been 25 seconds, even if it's only been 15 seconds, I don't care. The second the dog is done peeing, they need to be getting a treat. Why? Because of timing. Your dog only has about 10 seconds. 10 seconds, that's it. To be able to correlate what just happened with that reward. So every second past that, hell, every second wasted, even if it's three seconds versus two, if I can get that treat in there one second faster, phenomenal. Timing's everything, guys. Everything. Your dog will be housebroken faster if you get that treat to them a second faster, two seconds faster, every time. Timing is everything, okay? Same thing, think about my, my situation at the beach the other day, right? The foster dog went to attack Riker. If I had been a split second slower, Riker might've gotten bit. Once I corrected the situation when that foster dog turned and tried to bite me, if I had been a second slower, I would've gotten bit. Timing is everything when it comes to animal training. It really is. I can't stress it enough. And really the reason why, guys, is because it's fight and flight. You know, Mother Nature is not nice. Mother Nature is fast. And everything in Mother, Mother Nature can be a matter of life and death in a split-second decision. And so really it's biological and instinctual that your timing needs to be fast. This is why you can't have your treats inside your pocket. This is why your treats must be in a treat pouch. You can't be fumbling with the pocket trying, well, hold on, I'm getting the treat. It's stuck. Oh, my hand's stuck now. Hold up. There we go. By the time you're getting the treat, your dog has already lost interest. Peace out. I'm getting distracted by something over here, and I'm about to yank on you. Versus if I had had the pouch, treat ready to go, 
boom dog gets the treat and is like oh forget the distraction i just got rewarded for that can we do that again timing is everything so how do you improve it well, i just already gave you a lot of examples believe it or not treat pouch is one way we can improve our timing being prepared and having the treats with us that improves our timing but one of the biggest things i tell people is i need you to think three seconds ahead let's start with one second on day one and you know a couple weeks and we're going to think two seconds ahead and then three seconds ahead i want you to be ahead of your dog the easy part about dog training is dogs are creatures of such habit and behavior that you know uh, conditioning that you can almost predict their behavior you all know what i'm talking about if you know your dog well enough you know exactly what i'm talking about you can almost predict your dog's behavior sometimes so be a second ahead of where you would normally reward that behavior if you know they're about to sit don't wait for them to sit. Like, you know what I mean? Get that treat ready so the second that butt hits the ground, boom, treat in the mouth. I'm so fast, guys. So fast. And you gotta be. Dogs are very, very smart and very quick. And so when people sit here and go, oh, sit? Good boy, you sat like a good boy. Good job. You're sitting now. What a good... It's just going in one ear and out the other. Everybody, oh, I'm talking to my dog and they love it when I talk to them. No, you're giving them wasteful, crappy information. I'm sorry. There's a time and a place when you're on the couch snuggling and you're not trying to accomplish anything behaviorally. Sure. Okay, fine. Uh, but if I'm training my dog and I need them to pay attention, it's going to be sit. Good boy. Treat. Good boy. Lie down. Treat. Good boy. Good. See the difference? Very succinct. Goes back to the last segment of how do we talk to our dog. Tone, simplicity, okay? So when it comes to improving your timing, we have to consider tone, we have to consider simplicity, and we have to consider speed. That is how we improve our timing. Tone, consistency, speed. Once we get my tone down, we talk about consistency. Well, that's having my treats and my treat patch ready to go. That's saying good boy the same way every time. That's treating the same way every time. That's getting my, you know getting the reward in there the same way every time. And then the timing is, okay, this is the thinking one second ahead. So again, if I can almost predict that sit, I know he's going to sit. We've done this a thousand times. He's going to sit. Reward that sit behavior one second faster than you normally would. Work on that for a week or two. After a week or two, if you really feel like you've gotten that one second, you're ahead of the game, even on your corrections too. Same thing with the corrections, guys. I always say have parent mentality. It's not, ah, oh, why did you do that? It's don't even think about it. <laughs> I would rather you make a correction redirection that you didn't need than have missed one that you needed. Be ahead. This is how you improve your timing. Because if you give a correction that you didn't need, your dog's going to go, whoa, I didn't even do anything. They're already on top of it. Oh, okay. Not the end of the world. Yeah, we didn't want to, didn't need to give that correction. Not, But it's not the end of the world. And if anything, it makes your dog go, oh, he's on top of it. Okay, cool. I'm, I'm going to pay attention. Isn't that what we want? Isn't that the end goal? Yes. So again, one or two weeks, I'm going to try to be a second ahead of where my timing, where I would be normally. If I feel like after a week or two, I've, I've improved it, two to three seconds ahead, guys. Because the reality is, you're 10 seconds behind me. <laughs> I mean that in the nicest way possible. You're 10 seconds behind the professionals. So I've got to strive to get you getting three more seconds. You know what I mean? It's just the truth of it. I've done this a long time. I have hundreds of thousands of hours of training dogs at this point, and I don't even know how many animals, you know, just that's the other way we improve our timing, right? I told you one week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. What is that? What is that? What is that time? That's, that's time. It takes time 
to improve your timing. It takes practice. It takes consistency. All right. So work on getting that one second ahead, two seconds ahead, three seconds ahead of where you would normally make that correction or normally give that reinforcement. Right. That's how we improve your timing. And if you improve your timing, your dog learns faster. Your dog learns faster. They learn better. They learn better. They're more focused. They're more focused. They're less likely to get in trouble. It's that simple, guys. K-I-S-S. Keep it simple, stupid. All right. But uh, stick to those tips. Be aware of your timing. Be willing to change your timing. And then work on getting that one, two, three seconds ahead over the course of a couple weeks. And I promise you, you'll notice a huge difference in how quickly your dog learns and how much better your relationship with them is. on Speak a Dogcast, it's the history of Animal Mascots 101. Today, we'll be talking about the University of Vermont. Founded in 1791, the University of Vermont is the oldest university in the state of Vermont, and it is the fifth oldest university in New England, making it one of the oldest in the United States. Now, it's also one of the original eight public ivies. Now, while UVM may not be a big uh, football school, in fact, they have no football team, although they did once have a football team from 1886 until all the way to 1974, but they do compete in many other Division I athletic programs, including men's basketball. And they all compete as the Catamounts. That's another name for the American Panther, Cougar, Mountain Lion, or Puma. A lot of these names uh, become interchangeable, but they are the Catamounts. Now, the school adopted the Catamount in 1928 when the Vermont Cynic, a student-run newspaper, they led a student poll to decide on a mascot. Now, there were four options to choose from, the Tomcat. The Camel somehow made his way in there because everybody knows when you think of Vermont, you think of the desert. Um, <laughs> cow. Uh, and the Catamount was the fourth one, with the Catamount winning with a vote of 138 to 126 Although it doesn't really specify who came in second place. You notice there's no third or fourth place vote in there. Um, again, no, no specifics on that. Now, the catamount is unfortunately an uh, extinct species due to human hunting. Now, for two years, there was a live puma cub named Rink. But as puma cubs do, they, they grow. <laughs> now, Rink grew too big, too fast, and he was donated to Canada's Granby Zoo. There is a taxidermied catamount named Greta, and she's kept on display at the UVM Dudley H. Davis Student Center as of 2023. Now, in the 1970s, a female companion costumed mascot was added to join her male counterpart, Charlie. So they had a wedding, and the two uh, were you know, married, and her name is Kitty Catamount. The answer to today's trivia question, what mammal has the thickest coat of fur? It's the sea otter with around 850,000 to 1 million hairs per square inch. Next on Speak a Dogcast, it's the listener Q&A. The first question today comes from Angie from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Angie asked, I recently got a puppy. He's about four months old. However, I already have a cat and they are not getting along. My puppy, you know, tries to play and the cat growls, hisses and swats at my dog. Now it's been a month and it does not really seem to be getting any better. Any tips for moving their relationship forward? Angie, fantastic question. Cats and dogs, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, look, cats and dogs, 
it, it's a good thing you got, in my opinion at least, it's easier, should I say. It's easier to get a puppy when you already have the cat first established and then bringing in the puppy. Because let's be real, we know cats. Everybody knows cats. They're, they're very grumpy, <laughs> particular, uh, OCD. <laughs> a lot of things we can kind of, words we can attach to. So the cat is naturally going to want to be very controlling of the environment. And the cat has, you know, been settled. Uh, clearly, it sounds like you've had the cat for a little while, at least before the dog. And so the cat's, that's been its routine and we have disrupted your cat's routine. So some of it is time, but at the same time, uh, some of it is you need to step up and do a little discipline. Okay. We do need to be providing a boundary for your dog, making them understand when to stop because you know, your puppy is a puppy. They don't really know any better at this point. But the thing is your puppy will keep pushing to a point that, you know, we don't want to injure your cat. We don't want to make your cat uncomfortable. We don't want to make your cat angry. I really, I want them to get along. Right? So it is going to require you stepping in as the owner, as the leader, to provide a boundary, to provide some level of discipline, whether that's a collar correction, touch corrections, but your dog does need to know, hey, look, kitty doesn't want to play and that's okay, right? Um, we need to get your puppy understanding that leaving the cat alone is a great thing. I do recommend maybe teaching even a leave it command because you can teach your dog a leave it command and tell your dog to leave it to the cat. You know, your cat's probably walking by or something. Your dog is chewing on a to bone. Cat's walking by. All of a sudden they get to, and your dog goes and pounces after the kitty, right? That's what puppies do. Um, in that moment, it's on you to go, hey, leave it when you see the look of, oh, cat's coming by, right? Um, that's your job to redirect, correct, and then reinforce once your puppy does leave it alone. Really, that's kind of the underlying theme for puppies to start with is don't worry about the cat. Leave the cat alone. It then allows your cat to feel more comfortable of, oh, there's some level of control going on here. I can walk by. The puppy doesn't try to attack me, right? Um, but yeah, really, that's what it comes down to. Puppy doesn't know any better. You need to teach puppy to know better by providing some level of boundary and discipline, okay? Uh, and then we can reward it. But also with that said, look, sometimes cat relationships just take a little time. Um, I had a cat when I got my very first dog. I had a cat in college. We were just coming out of college, just fresh out of college. And we got Penny Lane, my half-live, half-great Dane, very playful, very sweet, and wanted to play with the cat. Cat was not interested. But it just took a little time. Telling Penny where the boundary is, showing her, giving her that, you know, that information. And then over time, all of a sudden they were best buds and they were hanging out, grooming each other. Like, no kidding. So sometimes it's a little bit of time. Sometimes it's the discipline. Again, as I always talk about, it's about balance, right? So it's going to be a little bit of both. So I hope that information helps out. But lay down those clear boundaries early with your puppy uh, and the relationship will blossom. Next question. This comes from Grant from Sarasota, Florida. Grant says, my wife is babying our puppy and has been for a few months. Now, I have become the only one who disciplines the dog, and he is starting to become obsessive over my wife and is also developing separation anxiety over her. Now, I know we are very quickly going down the wrong road, but I cannot convince her otherwise. Please help me. <laughs> Grant, thanks for the question. Um, look, I, I feel sorry for you, buddy. I do because that's not fair, right? You're trying to do right by your dog by creating boundaries, rules, discipline. And I'm sure you're creating the affection as well, but you probably don't need much of it because your wife's giving too much as it is. Like, I hear you, man. Um, so look, if you want to let your wife listen to this segment in my response, please, by all means, look, I, I'm a professional. I've been doing this a long time now. I've been doing this a very long time. And I am never one to say that you shouldn't be affectionate with your dog. But I'm absolutely one to say you should never overdo anything with your dog. Overdo anything, whether that's affection or discipline or treats or reward. You should not overdo any one particular thing with your dog, right? Anything too much of anything, anything too much of anything is a bad thing. Anything obsessive, not a good thing, okay? So it's all about finding balance, and you need to be able to find balance in that reward and the discipline side, 
Okay, puppies need to have boundaries. It's very important that puppies have clear and distinct boundaries and are not just all up on us all the time, okay? Not always a piece of Velcro attached to me, okay? Like these are very, very important details to create a healthy, balanced relationship with your dog. The problem is if you're always on, if your dog is always on you, you're always giving your dog affection, you're always with them, you're always near them, you're always touching them, then they almost, that almost, then they overly rely on that stimulus and that's unhealthy. It's very unhealthy. So it's all about creating balance, okay? Handful of things, right, Grant? You probably already know it, and I'm just going to say it and reiterate. You should probably, you should probably, what am I saying? You should be crating your puppy. We should be providing rules and boundaries and discipline during playtime with our puppy. We should not be letting our puppies rule us and tell us what and when to do. These are all very basic things that can help create a better balanced relationship. But look, Grant, I can't make anybody do anything at the end of the day. This is the truth of the matter. You know, when I walk into a home, I can give all this information and all this great advice, but if people don't actually implement the things I say, or for that, they only implement 50% of things I say, and then they get 50% results, and they go, David, why am I not getting 50 more than 50% results? And we go through it. Well, are you doing this? Well, are you doing this? Well, are you not doing this? Well, right? So it's all about taking that info and implementing it, and at the end of the day, I can't make anybody do that. Can't make you do it more so, Grant, than you're already doing. I can't make your wife do it. You have to have a talk with her. You have to have a discussion. You have to, you know, that's part of relationships and marriages, and it's not always fun, um, but got to do what you got to do um, to create that balance. So, you know, I'm kind of, I hate to like be the bearer of bad news there that I can't exactly change anybody's mind. I can hope to give information to help facilitate that. But further than that, I can't actually do anything more. So I hope that helps you out, Grant. I hope your wife listens to you. And I hope you guys, more importantly, do what's in the best interest of your puppy. So good luck to you, Grant. And hey, hope it helps out. Hope that helps out. That's going to wrap up the podcast today. Thank you so much for listening in. If you haven't clicked that subscribe or that follow button, do so right now. New episodes come out every Wednesday and you're going to want to check them out. You can follow me on Instagram at speakadogcast and join me there every Tuesday for Training Tip Tuesday. Yeah, subscribe to my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash speakadogcast. Become a patron of the show today. Patreon.com slash speakadogcast. And if you love what you're hearing, Apple Podcasts and Spotify users, scroll on down. Give me that five-star rating. Give me the thumbs up on YouTube. I would greatly appreciate appreciate it, guys. I want to thank my patrons, my pup supporter, Ragula Wright, and my dog friend, Maureen Crossan. Have a wonderful week, and don't forget, get out there and walk your dog.